We hear constantly about people with dementia who go days and weeks without bathing, without changing their clothes. There can be a number of reasons for it. It could be simply because they don't understand what it means to have dirty clothes on. Hi, I'm Bobby. I was a caregiver for my father-in-law, Roger, for seven years. I am now a caregiving consultant and educator, and I lead a caregiver support group in my community. I'm also a frequent speaker at caregiver conferences and webinars. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two. And we all know laughter is the best medicine. And don't forget the wine, Mike. Now, you know I don't forget your wine. I do appreciate that. Now, today it's just going to be you and I, and we're going to talk about some dementia behaviors and how the caregiver response can increase or decrease the stress for both the caree and the caregiver. Yes, because of damage to the brain, reaction to the world around the person with dementia is impossible to predict. Um, we cannot expect them to behave the way that they used to. I know something that really frustrates you that over and over again, you hear confusion between dementia and Alzheimer's and how some people misinterpret dementia and Alzheimer's and get them confused. Would you like to amplify that and clarify that? It's not so much that it frustrates me because we have more and more people coming into the dementia world for the first time. But I think it's important that people to be educated to understand what the terms mean. To say that someone has dementia is to say they have a devastating brain disease, and Alzheimer's is one of them, along with Lewy body dementia, uh, vascular dementia, frontal lobe dementia, alcohol-related dementia, and some of the other dementias. Um, I like to think of it this way. If you say you're sick, somebody's going to ask you, oh, what's wrong? And you say you have the flu or you have a headache or whatever that might be. So saying someone has dementia is like saying that they're sick with a brain disease. And it's important that um, people understand what type of dementia that person has because that will affect the medications and it'll also affect some of the behaviors. Now, when you say it's important for somebody to understand what type of dementia, for a new caregiver who gets the diagnosis or th they get the diagnosis with a family member that they have dementia, how important is it for them to question the doctor to kind of zero in as opposed to just leave it at the umbrella dementia level? If it's your primary care doctor, um, you're going to want to ask for a referral to a dementia specialist or a geriatric specialist so they can find out what it is. Well, you, you say the medications are different. Um, what are some of the ramifications of having the medicine for one form of dementia as opposed to uh, the correct form? Medications for Alzheimer's giving to someone with Lewy body dementia will very often have the opposite effect. Right. So if it's to calm them down, then they can be extremely agitated, um, that sort of thing. It, it's almost predictable uh, that that's going to happen. And we want to make sure that, you know, the people with Alzheimer's or Lewy body or whatever it might be are getting the best possible care. Okay. So 
uh, I think I think we've done a pretty good job of, or you've done a pretty good job of clarifying the two of those. A term that's often heard and a behavior that's often heard in one form or another is looping. Can you talk about looping a little bit? Well, one of the behaviors that that is so difficult for caregivers and family members to deal with is when somebody with dementia keeps asking the same question over and over and over again. As soon as the word, the sentence is complete, it's, it's asked again. And that's like, you know, water torture, dripping on your forehead to hear these same things over and over again. And it can make for um, a really difficult period of time for everybody in the house. And it might go something like this, what time is it? What time is it? What time is it? And what I recommend people try is to answer that question, whatever it might be, in a different way each time. What time is it? What time is it? It's 6.15. What time is it? It's time to watch your favorite program. What time is it? It's time for a snack. And when we keep answering it in a different way, it has has a tendency, a strong tendency to interrupt that loop. It's almost as if the brain is in a hiccup and it doesn't know how to get out of that, doesn't know how to stop the hiccups, but answering the question in a different way will interrupt that. I remember with my dad, he would uh, loop and you would, at the end, he would always say, what, I, what am I supposed to do? And then we would tell him, this is what I need you to do. And he would say, okay, now, what am I supposed to do? And I remember how frustrating it was uh, for me and, and also you uh, to, to deal with that constant over and over. But I think your advice of answering in a different way as opposed to just getting louder and more forceful the same way is a very, very good um, technique to use. Yeah, you know, if, if he's asking, what am I supposed to do, then our clue, which we didn't recognize at the time because we didn't know better, was to give him something to do. Right. Whether it, what am I supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to watch your favorite program now, or um, you're supposed to change your clothes now, or you're supposed to have a snack now until we broke that loop but you know when you know better you do better yeah uh and and the answer is not yell louder and slower <laughs> that's uh, right the same thing over and over again because again it just frustrates you and it frustrates the person it doesn't work for you either <laughs> <laughs> hey <laughs> so another um common behavior is the question, um, I, I, I want to go home. I want to go home. They don't realize where they are. They're not in the here and now. And um, that's, that's what the problem is. They're not in the here and now. They're somewhere else. And home is somewhere other than where they are. What kind of tips can you give folks for dealing with the I want to go home? Well, there are a number of reasons why somebody with dementia might insist that they want to go home and even try to leave the house. And it may or may not be a physical place. And even if it is, it's probably not what we think they mean. Right. Um, very often a caregiver will respond with, 
you are home. You've lived here for the last five years. Um, and the person with dementia will again say, I want to go home. And that could be a feel, just their way of saying and expressing they don't feel comfortable in the moment. And um, I, I don't have dementia, but there are times when there's stress in my life when all I want is to go back to that feeling I had as a child where everybody else was taking care of all of the issues for me. And mm. I've, I've said from time to time as an adult, I want my mommy. And right. very often that could be what that person with dementia is saying. I don't feel comfortable here. And rather than insisting that they are already home, I suggest that they start talking about Tell me about the place you want to go. Um, Tell me about your house. Yes. And, and get them to talk about what's in their mind that they're trying so hard to express to us. Right. Um, talk, talk about their house, their furniture, pictures in the house, different things like that, of what they have in their mind. Well, and when you do that, and, and that may work, but you're also cueing into the fact that they actually want to go home rather than it's a feeling of feeling insecure. Ah, good point. So you, we want to ask them what it feels like to be there. Yeah, that's a very good point. Now, you mentioned uh, a little bit they don't feel safe. Let's talk a little bit about safety and security for the carry. That That's a big issue. Yes. Um, safety and security. Safety within the home means that we want to make sure that um, we minimize fall risk as much as possible. You know, we want to take up uh, throw rugs because they're, they're tripping hazards. Um, we want to uh, very often put covers on the knobs to the stove so they can't turn the stove on and forget about it and walk away and leave a pot there. Uh, substituting an electric razor for a safety razor for men because some men have been known to try to brush their teeth with a razor thinking right. that it's a toothbrush um, so you want to do all of that but then there's also the fact that sometimes when the caregiver is asleep or, or busy in another part of the house the person with dementia will will leave the house they'll insist on leaving because they don't know where they are and they want they want to go home um, so it may mean putting chimes or locks on doors um, that type of thing it's it's really important to go through and dementia proof your house very similar to absolutely and and it's not because we're trying to make them into into children or, or treat them like children but their safety has and yours has to be in the forefront and um, there are many um, different ways that you can uh, protect the doors and um, the Alzheimer's organization has an Alzheimer's store and there are devices that in just about every price range um, that will work for your house and it definitely be, would be worth uh, looking into. So um, circling back for a second, uh, something very similar to the I want to go home. Um, another behavior is, who are you? Or, or something like, where is my, my spouse? That they don't recognize you if you're the spouse, caregiver, or a daughter, or a son. Um, 
what type of things do you recommend if the person isn't recognizing you at that particular moment? You know, um, I, I want to get to that question, but as we were attempting to move on, a situation of somebody wanting to go home that really I found extremely upsetting um, popped into my mind, and I'd, I'd like to mention that, where a, a caregiver was trying to convince their mother that they were at home and they weren't allowed to leave the house. And it, instead of, you know, trying to meet that person where they were or doing the best that they could to calm them down, they were arguing, you, you can't go, you're, you don't, you, this is where you live. Um, and the person with dementia was getting more and more agitated and, and more and more resistant and more and more afraid to the point that they took a swing at the caregiver, at which point the police were called, the person with dementia was taken into the hospital, and sadly, this could have been avoided if instead of insisting that the, that the woman was home, the caregiver understood that the most important thing you can do at that point is to remain calm and to let the person know that you're going to do the best for them to see to it that they feel comfortable again. And sometimes it could be, okay, I'm going to take you home. You get them in the car, you go for a ride around the neighborhood, and you come back and say, hey, we're home, and bring that person back in. I was just going to say that, that that might be a good thing to do. Let's circle back to the who are you, where is my spouse you know, and that was another situation that I became familiar with where I saw a video of a woman sitting in the living room with her husband in the chair beside her, and she was crying and she was wondering where her husband was, why he never came to see her anymore, why he didn't love her anymore. And the son was insisting, Mom, Dad's right here beside you. It's your brain. There's something wrong with your brain. Don't you get it? There's something wrong with your brain. Well, of course, if somebody has something wrong with their brain, they're not going to understand they have something wrong with their brain. A response to that would be, Dad loves you. He will be with you as soon as he can. Um, and it may be that she doesn't recognize her husband at this point in time because her brain is taking her back to the past and she and her husband are much younger in her mind than they are now and of course she doesn't recognize this older man and and the same thing with a with a child right you think of your daughter and you think of your daughter as a 10 year old because that's the point in time where you are and here's your 35 40 year old daughter who looks much different than a 10 year old daughter um and and you just don't recognize the person and one of the things i've heard you say many, many, many times is smile and say, oh, tell me about your daughter and get the caree talking about the daughter. And that'll give you a clue to that sense of time frame that the person is in. And you can move on from there. You want to talk a little more about that? Well, absolutely. If I think I'm, I'm 25, I can't have a 40-year-old daughter. <laughs> <laughs> And it's a, that might be a good point to bring out some photograph albums and share, share pictures of the two of you. 
um, when you're younger and that will bring back some memories to the person with dementia and begin and you would be surprised at some of the the memories and the stories that come out in a situation like that and you will end up spending some very special moments together whereas if you're standing there insisting I'm your daughter how can you not recognize me and making about you and how hurt you feel in that moment you're going to miss that and I know one time you were horrified when you were on one of the caregiver sites on on the internet where um, the person was lamenting that her mom or this person's mom wanted the husband. And the caregiver told her, dad died. Don't you remember dad died? And the caregiver couldn't get it through mom's head that dad had died and said, what do I got to do, take her to the cemetery to see the headstone that dad died? And I remember how horrified you were at that. Absolutely, because somebody with dementia will not remember. And every time you tell them that that person died, it's like they're hearing it for the first time, and they're going to grieve over and over again. Um, I can't imagine that. (laughs) So... The, the response that, that I suggest is dad loves you and he will be, you two will be together as soon as it's possible. He can't be here right now, but he definitely wants to be with you and he loves you. I remember you reading that and, and how horrified you were about the reliving the grief over and over and over again. Now, there's a related question that often comes up is should I tell someone with dementia that one of their loved ones has passed. And that's a tricky one because they will want to know where that person is. Um, But as soon as you tell them, they will grieve and then they will forget. And I think the same response, I would say, don't tell them. And then if they bring that person up, explain to them that they're they're at work that day or they're on, on a vacation. Trip. Yeah, and, and they, they will be together as soon as possible. Right. Now, you had mentioned a few minutes back about you trying to tell them that they have the brain disease and that's why they can't remember something. So let's talk about denying the dementia. Um, that often happens in the shortly after the diagnosis when behaviors can be normal one minute and and not quite normal the next. Getting a diagnosis of Alzheimer's or Lewy body dementia or anything like that has to be extremely frightening um, because there's more and more information about it. We see it depicted on television shows. We see it depicted in the movies. So people are more aware of it than they ever have been, and the idea of it happening to them is extremely frightening. So, of course, there's going to be some denial. And one of the tests to whether or not a person has dementia uh, that I heard that kind of made sense to me, if I come to you and say, I think I have a problem, I probably don't have dementia. But if you see that I have a problem and I don't, then it's more likely that I have dementia. Uh, Because a person with a traumatic brain disease cannot understand they have a traumatic brain disease. Now, would you say that that's true even in the very early stages where somebody would say, hey, I think something's wrong? 
Well, at that point, they're not denying it, but they may think, well, it's just old age. It's um, sometimers. It's not Alzheimer's. Um, well, no, I meant from the aspect of uh, the comment that if I come to you saying I think something's wrong, then I probably don't have the brain disease. Well, let's compare it to the day that I came to you and said, <laughs> I think I have a problem. Um, one of our, I, a picture of one of our granddaughters popped up in my email and I could not remember her name. Mm -hmm. And so I said to you, you know, I, in my head, I could think it's not, it's not this person, it's not this person, but I couldn't figure out the name of which one that it was. Now we have five granddaughters, um, but I remember coming to you and say, I think I have a problem. I could not remember Rachel's name today. Who doesn't remember their own granddaughter's name? And you said... Well, after I was done laughing, <laughs> I said, remember 30 years ago, you couldn't remember our kid's name. You went through the whole list when you were trying to talk to one of them. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, living in the dementia world as we have ever since your dad came to us... Um, the more I live it, the more I become concerned if I can't remember a word or if I can't remember somebody's name that, uh-oh, this is, is it beginning? Is, is this the start of it? Um, but I, I have to suspect if somebody came to me, one of the kids came to me and said, Mom, you're losing it, I would say I, I'm perfectly fine. I function well every single day and would be in denial um, and typically people show symptoms of cognitive decline years before they're actually diagnosed because it's, it's very insidious. It starts slowly in many cases. And what seems like normal aging is really the beginning of something serious, which is why it's important for people to understand the difference between normal aging when people my age um, frequently can't remember a word or recognize somebody's face and can't remember their name, and which, which is actually something to be concerned about. Now, uh, we, we talked about dementia denial. Is there a lot of cases of the caregiver denying the dementia or the brain disease of the caree? Absolutely. It would be very difficult for some spouses or some adult children to to want to believe that there's something wrong with somebody that they care about. And then what we have is in the early stages of dementia, as I mentioned briefly earlier, th people can seem perfectly normal one moment and not normal the next moment. So there's a perception that the person with dementia is exaggerating in order to get attention or faking to get attention right. or doing these behaviors on purpose which Just is to annoy you. which is extremely frustrating right. for the caregiver and unless and until they understand that they're absolutely not faking they're absolutely not doing it on purpose it's going to be more difficult for everybody another situation that arises that we hear about a lot is the my wife my husband 
my mom, my dad, they won't shower. Or I can't get them to change their clothes. They insist on wearing the same clothes all the time. And uh, talk about that a little bit. What, what are some of the things that you can do? Well, those two kind of go together. Right. Um, we hear constantly about people with dementia who will go days and weeks without bathing or without changing their clothes. Again, like anything else that has to do with dementia, there can be a number of reasons for it. The, one of the reasons they don't want to take their clothes off is simply that older people have body images. I know I certainly do, and there, uh, there's not many people in this world I would want to see me without my clothes. Um, another is, I, th- I think I just changed my clothes. It might have been two weeks ago, but to me it was five minutes ago. Another reason is I don't think they're dirty because when I look down, they look perfectly fine to me. And that could be because of their vision or it could be simply because they don't understand what it means to have dirty clothes on. A suggestion to get somebody to change their clothes is not to insist that they take them off. It's to lay out clothes that are comfortable and in colors that are muted. Um, If you can get several... Uh, outfits exactly the same but lay out the clean clothes on the bed and just walk away because if somebody thinks it's their idea they're more likely to do it and sometimes they they can't remember how to take their clothes off they don't know how buttons work they don't know how zippers work so they're they're almost trapped in their clothing and there there is adaptive clothing that you can purchase shirts with uh magnets on them that are easy to open um The same thing for pants and trousers for just about anybody. And then there are people who refuse to keep their clothes on. You know, they they strip down, walk through the house naked, and you probably don't want that to happen a lot. So you can get clothing that opens in the back so they can't take those clothes off. Now, another, another thing going down that path is you tell somebody to change their clothes, and they say, okay, and they get up and they go into the room to change their clothes, and they open up the closet, and they reach in and things start moving. And they could get frightened and they don't want to open that closet anymore. So going back to where you said, lay the clothes out on the bed, it eases that, that fear. Exactly. If something's moving, if my vision is affected and, you, and I'm not sure what that space is and what those things are and they start moving, yes, it can be very frightening. And, and thank you for pointing that out. And also bathing or showering, one of the things is you go into the bathroom and there's a mirror in there and there's a person looking at them and they don't recognize the reflection in the mirror and they think somebody's in there and they're not going to get changed. They're not going to get undressed to go into the shower. So another suggestion would be to remove the mirrors, right? Yeah, remove them or cover them. Uh, And again, if I think I'm 25 and I go into the bathroom first thing in the morning, you know, fresh out of bed with my hair all astray, and, I, and there's this 70-year-old lady staring at me, I'm not going to want to go in there. <laughs> so those are, those are some of the things that you could do to try and help alleviate that stress. Another well, one? No, oh. well, bathrooms can be very scary people even without, they echo. That's true, too. And and they're cold. And when we're talking about showering and bathing, and I definitely want to touch on this, water is invisible to many people with dementia. 
Right. Think about it. You go in the shower and open your eyes and look. And even for people that don't have dementia, you don't really see the water droplets. But if your vision is impaired, it becomes invisible. Elderly people with dementia frequently have very thin skin and the water hitting them hurts. So they are definitely going to resist going in there. So when it comes to shower time, if at all possible, have the most gentle spray of water that you can get. Let that person sit down and start with their feet and let them feel and secure that nothing scary is going to happen to them. And you can also do bed baths. You can start with a warm if somebody's really resisting, there's no way that you can make me get in the tub or even take my clothes off. Get a warm basin of soapy water and, and give them a, a hand massage. Wash their hands and you know with warm water and maybe put some lotion on it. And doesn't that feel nice? And the next thing you can move up the arm a little bit. And piece by piece, you can get that person clean. Everybody doesn't have to be in the shower in order to get clean. Right. Now, going along with the, the eyesight, and, and sometimes the eyesight is impaired, one of the things that that can cause is the person not eating. There, there can be a number of reasons for that, and it's up to us to, to kind of figure this out. Part of it could be that they don't see the food. When we're talking about devastating brain diseases, our brain controls every part of our body, and it, it controls every function that we have. So it's not just memory, it's hearing, it's sight, it's the sense of touch, it's your appetite, it's your balance, it's everything. So if I, someone with dementia sits down to, to eat dinner and they can't clearly see the food, they're not going to want to eat it. And sometimes it helps to put light colored food on a dark colored plate. Say for instance, if you have a chicken breast and some mashed potatoes, that, th those are pretty pale in comparison. And if they're sitting on a white plate, they might not see it. So if you put it on a red plate or a blue plate and you cut it up into small pieces, the chances are it's going to be recognized and they'll Consumed. begin to eat. Right. Um, another thing is people with dementia, their appetite is often affected. Food doesn't taste good anymore, or it has very little taste to it. And very often, what one of the last flavors that people with dementia enjoy is sweet. And we often hear that all they want is all they want is junk food. All they want is cookies and cake, whatever. Um, and in order to get nutrition into them, you can cut their piece of chicken into small bites and and put some maple syrup on it. It, it won't kill them to have sweet, but if it's sweet that gets them to eat, then that's what we want to give them. Today, it was just you and I, and we took the opportunity to talk to our listeners about dementia behaviors. So to our listeners, if you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. If you feel uncomfortable publicly asking the question or the issue you're dealing with, you can direct message us on the Facebook page and we will respond. We can either respond in, in private via direct message or we can respond publicly so other listeners or uh, members of the page benefit from the answer. But we will not use your name if you do it through direct message. 
Well, that, thank you so much for, for telling people that. And I also want to mention that so the behaviors that we mentioned today are just a small part of the questions that do come up. There are going to be situations that are unique to you and your family. We will be available to you to answer your questions and uh, look forward to hearing from you. This has been Roger That, and I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please subscribe to the show, go to iTunes and post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. To find out more about us, head over to the rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that, dot, show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights. From dramas to comedies and all those Find in between. Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.